ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun gown. Into the fourth mother box. I am the purveyor of all things free refills at Walt Disney World and your co-host Tom Oakry. Hello. Joining me as always is the old man at the end of the block who complains when Chipotle changes where they store their shredded cheese. Our co-host Kyle Cosentino. Kyle, how the hell are you today? You goddamn right I complain when they change their shredded cheese. Like, do you do you walk in, throw a fit? Or do you like, do you know who I am? I am the co-host of fourth mother box. You will move the shredded cheese to where I'm used to seeing it. I mean, is it, is it get that serious? It it gets pretty serious. I've been, I've been known around those parts as Mr. Chipotle. So Mr. they Chipotle. know when Mr. Mr. Chipotle orders his, his uh, burrito bowl, they better have it fucking right. So do you get the same thing every time you go to Chipotle? Mostly every, you know, sometimes I do like to walk on the edge and I get uh, tacos. That that was my original, but now I'm just a strict uh, barbacoa bowl. Barbacoa bowl. All right. Well, everybody, if you see Kyle out there on the streets and you want to say thank you for the unwanted opinions, buy a barbacoa bowl. So and uh, make sure to have Chipotle away as well. <laughs> Chipotle away because um, Kyle likes to ruin his underwear and um, underwear. It's, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. You don't want to be. Uh, you don't want to go to Chipotle without your Chipotle way. It will ruin your day. The best bit of advice you could possibly give. We should just end the podcast right now and not talk about Man of Steel. But guess what? We're going to do that instead. We're talking about Man of Steel today. And the reason we're talking about Man of Steel is because just this past week, I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday, um, Man of Steel celebrated its eight-year anniversary. So the DC Extended Universe has been alive for eight whole years um we've been given a lot in the dceu we've been given man of steel through the epic batman vs superman we fought to get Zack snyder's justice league there were a lot of controversial films in the middle of that with suicide squad birds of prey um wonder woman 84 but for the most part a lot of people um you know point back and not for the most part you have to point back to man of steel the beginning of it all a controversial film because a lot of people say um this isn't the real Superman, but we'll we'll get into that. But of course, let's kick it off with news, rumors, and stuff we absolutely love to talk about. Because guess what? There was a lot of news this week. A lot, especially with DC. Um, so well, let's just jump right into it, Kyle. And, and I'm going to jump around the notes here for a little bit. But the hot button topics is the Flash movie. Okay? The Flash movie. Um, we've got a lot of news from the Flash movie. It started production not that long ago. We're starting to see leaked images from the set. I think they're in London. Um, so here's what we know um, and what we've heard and been rumored. So the Flash movie, you know, starring Ezra Miller as the Flash, uh, will feature a cameo from Grant Gaston, um, who is the Flash in the CW universe, 
And just recently this week, um, Andy Machete, the director, teased the Supergirl costume. So before I get into Supergirl, because, boy, I have a lot of thoughts about that, and I know you do too. Uh, among the suit reveal, we saw a ton of behind-the-scenes stills from the set that are just leaking. Um, they're not official yet, but we saw Sasha Calais Supergirl in flight, um, Keaton's Bruce Wayne car, a Central City cab, and this was an interesting one, and a Central City bus with Wonder Woman on the side being used for an ad for a children's charity. Um, so much to die to, to unpack here quickly, but, um, what are your thoughts on what we've seen so far from, uh, the flash set, Kyle? Well, I think the thing that I'm most excited for is, is, uh, and this probably doesn't come as a surprise is, um, Michael Keaton is Batman again. I mean, how long has it been? It's like 89 that that came out. Well, then he had the follow up in Batman returns. What was it? Um, 91. 90, 91 when he was last Batman. Yeah. yeah. It's like 30 years. That's you imagine, you imagine what that must be like for him, how surreal that must be. Like he probably never thought he would ever don the costume again. And here he's, he's going to at least get a cameo of, I mean, if anything in, in this big flash movie, I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's, I think it's more than a cameo. Um, because this movie is obviously going to be nuts. I mean, let's let's talk Supergirl because I can't I can't get over the fact how close this her S and her suit reveal looked like straight from Snyder's universe of Henry Cavill's uh, you know Superman suit. I mean, am I right or am I just seeing things? Yeah, you know what? It's interesting because even in Man of Steel, they they tease that a little bit. Is like, you know, when they're walking through the ship, you see a pod, like another pod that's been opened. Right. So it's like almost kind of like, and we were even thinking of people were even thinking about that in Justice League. Um, they were thinking like, is Supergirl going to show up or something like that? Um, they were speculating anyway. So I think it'll be interesting. I think Supergirl is an interesting addition to this. And maybe it's kind of like a uh, a nod to the CW verse and and certainly makes sense that Grant Gustin is is going to be a part of it, or at least like make a cameo. I wonder if they're just going to use some part of the scene they did in the Crisis uh, crossover episode. Um, but Supergirl, you know, I think maybe they're, they're taking an interesting turn with her because I don't know if she's ever had a different hair color. However, you know, with darker hair color, because I was first against it, I'm like, no, I want to be traditional. But I was thinking about it, like... Maybe it makes her look a little bit more like Clark Kent or like Kal-El. And maybe yeah. that might kind of reflect that, you know, the his family lineage or being a Kryptonian or whatever. So I'm I'm gonna be open minded to it. Uh, and whatever the case is, I think it's it's gonna be great. Yeah, I'm very open minded to it. I'm getting excited about this movie just because of how jam-packed it's gonna be. And yeah. you're right, you know, when you think of um Supergirl, you think blonde, you know, blonde hair, just like Wonder Woman, you think dark hair, and you would never, never expect to see a blonde Wonder Woman, and and I think that's where you comp. I think I think that's where you draw the line, and you don't compromise. Is Wonder yeah. Woman? Yeah, um, you can't really she, change the Trinity. You can't change yeah. the Trinity, really. Right, right. That's that's quite untouchable. But you could see different iterations of them, and I, I would welcome different worlds or different versions of them. I'm not trying to discredit that, but. 
Um, what I'm saying with Supergirl is this version, this version of Supergirl, when I first, when I first saw the picture, like the hair, I thought nothing of it. Um, because to me, and what I'm wishing for and I'm hoping for, you know, I'm really praying that the Snyderverse is, you know, not going to die um, because it clearly does exist. Uh, we've, we've seen it. So in that, the little bit that we saw of this character thus far, um, just on leaked sets of cell phone video, it just feels like she fits. She fits in Zack's world. So when I think of characters, just to your point, looking more like Clark in Kal-El, um, I don't think your run-of-the-mill, typical, like, goody-two-shoe, blonde-haired Supergirl. I just don't. Um, is, Zach, uh, is Zack Snyder actually attached to it at all? I mean, does he have any hand in this? Or no. is it just Andy Muschietti's It's vision? Andy Muschietti's, um, but... I mean, Ben Affleck's in it, and that's Zach's Batman. Um, the Flash is, you know, Ezra Miller is Zach's. He cast him. You know, he cast Affleck. So even though Snyder's not attached to it, per se, officially, he's got major influence over it indirectly. So makes I'm sense. Keeping, keeping the faith. I'm keeping the faith with Warner Brothers Discovery, that merge of the, uh, of the two. I'm keeping the faith because... I've seen a lot of rumors that the, the discovery part of Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers Discovery wants to keep the Snyderverse around exclusively on HBO Max. So that's just a rumor. So well, I think um, after again after the success of Zack Snyder's Justice League, maybe, maybe people at Warner's are kind of like rethinking the whole idea. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know there's like kind of like a hate Zack Snyder over there, at least what articles tend to say. But you know, they also said that Superman wasn't gonna come back and Ben Affleck wasn't going to come back. And you know what I mean? Like, so who knows what's really true at this point, right? You're right, man. You are hundred percent correct. Let's just sit back and enjoy it because as comic fans, we've said this before, we're just, we're, we're going to eat next year, especially DC fans, black Adam, um, the flash, the Batman, which we're very most excited for. Um, even the DC superhero pets movie, that'll be fun in, in the middle of the summer and so much more to come, so much more to come. And I'm pretty sure Aquaman two is coming out next year too. At least that's the date they have, but wouldn't be shocked if that gets pushed back. Speaking of black Adam real quick, uh, I just read a post this morning from the rock and he's like, he's a, he, or I think it was last night and he was showing a picture of his dinner and he's like, we're entering in the final three weeks of production or like you know, f- filming and everything of Black Adam. So they're almost done, which is pretty exciting. Three weeks left, and they, they like, just started, too. That's insane. I mean, with, with someone like The Rock's schedule, you've got to take advantage of that time and not mess anything up. <laughs> um, that's crazy. I can't even understand, like, what that must be like. No. I saw that post you were talking about, too. He was eating, like, the most boring meal in the world. But I guess if you look like how he looks like, you've got to eat like that, so. He, well, he eats like p- full full on pizzas and cookies and pancakes. So and that's cheat his, cheat, his yeah. cheat meal is like he's like two family sized pizzas and just what the fuck? <laughs> he makes so us all jealous. Like, he makes us all jealous. So the Rock's cheat meal is a, is an average like lunch for the local Chicagoan, right? Y- yeah, pretty much. But that's kind of like half of what they eat. So ah, in one sitting. So got that's, it. Got it. Just think of like large grazing buffalo. Like that's, <laughs> like, I don't know what the intake of, of one of them is, but probably something like that. 
And if and if any of you ever get on me about ripping on Chicago, look, I was born there. I grew up there for 27 years before I moved to Arizona. So y'all can suck it. I have every right to call Chicago a piece of crap town. Uh, I'll oh, never live there again. I'll never live there again, but I will visit, especially during the summer. So I haven't met anybody from Chicago who doesn't rip on Chicago. Like nobody's like, I love Chicago and everything about it. I mean, they'll always say we love the sports teams because you got to love the sports teams and like, you know, downtown and like, you know, the museums and stuff like that. But everything else, nope. Nobody likes the weather or the bad traffic or, you know, the (laughs) insane tax. But we're not, this isn't a political podcast. So let's move it along. (laughs) <laughs> Great city to visit. Just I wouldn't recommend living there. So moving it along, more DC news. Um, Titans dropped their teaser for season three. And they teased one Jason Todd's death by the Joker. And this will release on HBO Max August 12th. Um, I was pretty hyped for a third season of Titans just because it's more nerd content. But now I released the hype engine. It's got me going that we're going to see an accurate Jason Todd death in this series. I don't know, though. I feel like the Joker is untouchable. I mean, in the sense that, like, they will never introduce him into any other content other than, like, big production movie. I mean, and it makes sense, too, because you get, you kind of have to protect him. I mean, every time an actor does the role, they get an Oscar, except for Jared Leto, of course. But he wasn't really given a fair shake, in my opinion. But right. I, what I want from this, more than anything, is, like, if you are going to introduce... The Red Hood and Jason Todd's death with the crowbar and everything like that. You can't do it without the Joker. You can't just like, you know, talk, have like a round table discussion and have Serene Glenn, who plays Bruce Wayne, just like, oh, man, Jason Todd got beat up by the Joker. And he, well, I thought he was dead. And now he's not. And not show the Joker. Like, we want that scene. So give us that scene. Damn it. Yeah. That's and all I'll I'd say. Be- I'd be completely fine if they recast Bruce Wayne in, in Titans. I mean, I yes, like, 100%. I love, the love the actor. He just doesn't do it for me, Bruce Wayne. He, he just no. doesn't. That was um, a complete fire. Like, yeah. Weird. He's he's just like, I don't know, like um, they could have used Kevin Conroy. Like they really could have, honestly. And I mean, if they want to go with another Bruce Wayne, Kevin Conroy doesn't look like Batman, but... His voice is Batman, so he his looks get a pass. We'll say that. And how do you how do you really do death in the family um, without Batman being Batman, right? So, like, we're gonna see. And what's the actor's name, Kyle? You said it. Uh, Sir Ian Glenn. Sir Ian Glenn. Okay, so we're gonna see him don the bat suit or his character don the bat suit to go take. Jason to the Lazarus pit to, to well, revive him or is Joker going to beat Jason Todd to a bloody pulp? Because we saw somebody with a crowbar beating somebody in the teaser for like a quick second. I mean, the Joker's going to be in Titans. I mean, I don't think there's any way around it. The Joker's going to be there. I think they're going to do it very strategically. They'll hire somebody to just stand there where purple pants make the noises laugh a little bit they'll probably never show the face maybe they'll show the back of the joker just crowbarring the hell out of jason todd um will they kill him will he get revived in the lazarus pit or will he just miss mysteriously come back as the red hood um i don't know a lot lots to unpack in titans uh, season three there's a there's a lot more to come 
They're probably going to take some liberties with that story. I can definitely see them not doing like the full-on story that we all know with the Lazarus Pit and uh, Rachel Ghoul and everything. But I, I hope it's not like what they did in season one, where um, Robin has it starts hallucinating because the Trigon, you know, just puts him under that spell, and then he's like, you know, chasing after Batman because Batman loses it, and then it's like you don't really even see Batman, not really. And I'm just like, you hype this shit up so much, and then you don't even get the payoff and just like don't do that it's like don't even do the story it's kind of like how i always talked about it in smallville and i don't know if you've ever watched smallville but they yeah. in like season i think it was season eight they introduced doomsday like this character was doomsday and back then it was like early 2000s like the, the technology wasn't there yet you couldn't do doomsday and so they teased him all throughout the season and at the end they have the fight and then you just see like superman Kella, uh, Clark Kent just throw him into a building and that was it. Like, uh, that was it. And it's just like, why the fuck would you do that? But that's that's for another day's discussion. Yeah, we could always talk Smallville a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, I think I, I hope Titans has learned from their, their mistakes. Obviously, season two was a little bit of a direction than season one. So Yeah, I season two was amazing. Yeah, season two uh, was amazing. It was. It was good. Um, so, so, so they've got you know a big follow up, but but I'm looking forward to it, um, especially with this storyline. One of one of uh, everybody's favorites. We cannot wait to see the Red Hood. Um, so a little bit more on the obscure and funnier side of DC news. Uh, and they're getting a lot of shit for it, and Zack Snyder even jumped in on the fun with this. But um, the Harley Quinn animated series, apparently a show runner or one of the show writers was told by DC that. Um, a sex scene that they wrote between Batwoman, Batwoman, good Lord, Batman and Catwoman, Batman and Catwoman. There's a sex scene specifically, and if there's any children listening to this, cover your ears, but Batman was going down on Catwoman um, and it was cut out. And DC just told them, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, and again, everybody's been commenting on this, on this line. Uh, Kaylee Coco, Cuoco, Cuoco, however you say her last name. Cuoco. Cuoco, Yeah. Um, Harley Quinn in the animated series, she does the voice. She even commented on the story in, in her Instagram story just by saying LOL, um, just acknowledging it. So obviously it's made it this far. Everybody's, you know, the the uh, DC haters out there, and they exist, um, are over there, you know, in their mom's basements, actually, you know, going going all laughing for this misstep. It was like, oh, if this were Marvel or another comic, uh, a company they'd allow their big name to eat out another, but you know, whatever, shut up and go. You know, your your pizza's thirty minutes late, and you're and you're crying about it. Um, but this is just funny. I mean, Harley Quinn the animated series. I always thought like anything could happen on that. That is a NC seventeen super R rated, you know, animated show for adults only. So why the hell not just have Bat Batman do that to Catwoman? I mean, is it really that big of a deal? <laughs> It's not. And I think that that show has made a name for itself. It's really, and it's, in, it's going to be season three. And when I, when I first heard about it, I was like, man, I don't know if like, that's going to be a great show or not, but you know, when I watched it, it's just fun. It's funny and, and, and fun. 
And like, I feel like they shouldn't really have any restrictions. Just do whatever because it, it it's kind of like the Deadpool. And I've talked about this before. It's kind of like the Deadpool of uh, the DC universe. And if it made sense, yes. I, I mean, and not only that, you know, you were featured in an episode in the beginning of one of the episodes. And everybody check this out. It was in season, like season one, I think it was like episode six, where there's two like geeks talking about like, uh, you know, superheroes and there's a guy they just like carbon copied tom i it's it's un unreal all right first off that guy was fatter than me so fuck yourself sure without shit. that yeah that without that of course um, but he had yeah. the ginger the ginger beard and the gingerness clearly well, he didn't have a soul well the, the funniest part about that scene in the Harley Quinn animated series, it's it's a hilarious scene to open up the episode. And I need to re-binge Harley Quinn series because it's so funny not to only watch it a first time. I have to do it a second. But the funniest part about that scene is, yes, there, there's two guys sitting on a couch bitching about what they said or what they're going to do in the, in the Harley Quinn series. And the series is making fun of all the internet people out there who just bitch about everything. And the two guys are on the couch. One of them does these suspiciously looks like me just a little bit fatter. Um, and he's wearing a release. He, and this was before the Snyder cut. So he's wearing a release of Snyder cut shirt, which is even funnier because I'm a, I was a big, you know, part of that movement online. And the second guy, <laughs> which is even funnier that they could have made for you, Kyle, but they went with a tall black man. Um, his shirt says the last Jedi is not canon. So that's actually why I had that custom shirt made last week to say the J last Jedi is canon to piss all that's, the people off. That's funny. That's really yeah. weird and coincidental. <laughs> I should get uh, that shirt now. I have to get that shirt now. Go for it. Last go Jedi it. is not canon. Yeah, but it is though. That's that's the funny part. If if you get that shirt, the shirt will be wrong because the last Jedi exists and it'll be right. <laughs> uh, but seriously, in all seriousness, if you have not watched the Harley Quinn animated series and it's on HBO Max, do it immediately. Do not watch it with children um, unless you allow your children to hear and see the things that you watch. Um, just giving you a heads up. <laughs> it is spectacular. So moving it along, um, we do have some more DC news. Um, James Gunn said on Twitter that Bloodsport, who's played by Idris Elba, was put into jail in the movie um, in Suicide Squad. He, he was put into jail. The reason he's in jail is because he shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. Um, that's pretty cool that James like out there confirming, you know, he's got a lot of villains to work with in this, in this flick uh, releasing in August. Um, and it's a big follow-up to the first movie. Um, and mm -hmm. we've got a little bit of news on that first movie uh, about the air cut specifically. But um, are you excited to, to, to see uh, Bloodsport out of Idris Elba? I mean, great actor. I, you know, I, well, firstly, I thought that the first Suicide Squad was disregarded now. Like, they just, this is, they called this one a soft reboot. Well, at least what it, I remember. Yeah, here, and I'll, I'll kind of get into that. So let me, let me back up a little bit before I, um, I actually have a quote from James Gunn about that specifically. So funny that you mentioned that. So I want to talk about David Ayer's cut of the Suicide Squad first. Let's reel it back to what Kyle was saying. You know, the first Suicide Squad, squad that we talked about that came out in 2016. So the story with the Ayer cut, fans continue to campaign for this, to do hashtag release the Ayer cut, similar to how we did with Zack Snyder's movie, because this movie was treated somewhat the same. Um, Suicide Squad editor Kevin Hickman told Cinema Blend that they had 
filmed at least a million feet worth of uh, film for this huge movie. I'm talking about the original Suicide Squad. Um, and you can tell because the editing in that movie is weird. It's just, it's not right at times. Um, and he said exactly, it was well over a million feet of film that we shot for Suicide Squad. And it was such a big, big ensemble movie having so many characters. You have to introduce and set up their backstory and the end develop a, a camaraderie between them all. So this essentially confirms what we all knew to be true, right? They made reshoots to emphasize the humor and edited, edited this flick heavily to save on time and try to match the likes of Guardians of the Galaxy and Deadpool at the time, which were like super popular and everybody loved. Um, we do have the upcoming Suicide Squad movie in August. And to your point, while this is technically a sequel to Air Suicide Squad, James Gunn said the following, Kyle, and this is what I was getting to about the two movies connecting. He said there's nothing in his movie, James Gunn said, that really contradicts David Ayer's movie. Um, he added that he thinks the original film did some amazing casting, and I would agree with him 110% on those characters, in particular the ones that he used. So let's reel it back. Who's James Gunn using? He's using Harley Quinn. So first off, you ever recast Harley Quinn and Margot Robbie's still there and wants to do the role? I will come find you because she's perfect for that. Um, Joel Kinnaman as... Um, is Joel yeah yeah rick flag um he's used the same actor for captain boomerang he'll be in the movie um and obviously obviously next to harley quinn viola davis as amanda waller is just i don't know how how much better you could possibly get with that um, you could you could have used ch pounder she uh voiced amanda waller in uh, the justice league animated series not that viola davis didn't do a good job i just like i'm just yeah but C.H. Pounder would be would have been my pick. That's 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 a, that's a very fair point. She's excellent in, on the animated stuff. So, um, any more that James Gunn said, and he's like he say he also went on to say he changed what he wanted to and kind of didn't fix what was broken. So, I still very much want to see the original Suicide Squad cut from David Ayer. From what I've heard, there's so much more Jared Leto in it. So he can get redeemed for his take on the Joker because I heard he's very much a method actor. And with what we got in Suicide Squad of him, it's just unfair. It's unfair to do that to the character of the Joker and it's unfair to do that to the actor. Um, I know ultimately I, these movies belong to the studios, but it's just, come on. I think you might agree with me when I say that Jared Leto redeemed himself already with his small role at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I mean, yeah. we're not getting a full performance. We can't really fully evaluate it, but that was a cool scene. And even like, you know, we, we live in a society was trending. You know what I mean? That, that statement that he makes. And so and I feel like that had such a big impact. You know, his, his small but very powerful performance at the end there. Right. And the funniest thing about the we live in a society was that wasn't even in the final cut. <laughs> that was just for the trailer. And it still made such an impact because it's the Joker and a great actor delivering on that line. Yeah. Um, so we need to we need more of that. Um, speaking of what we need more of, um, Superman and Lois uh, had a, a really good episode this this week. Oh, Mother, Where Art Thou? Um, interesting quick breakdown of the episode so what did you think about it um you know what i feel like it's it's starting to flesh itself out a little bit more 
And I feel like the ending reveal made sense. And I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know anything about, you know, I've never read a Loki comic before. So my reference is probably just as good as anybody else's who's never read a comic. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect with a female um, antagonist as, as Loki. So Wait, I don't. Hold on, I, hold on. Really... I think you're jumping here. We're talking about Superman and Lois. Did I say Loki? I meant I meant Superman and Lois. My bad. Oh, mother, where art thou? Oh, okay. Um, so we're talking about this week's Superman and Lois. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We. This is the last thing to talk about DC. So just quick, quick breakdown. What would you think about the episode? Then, then we'll jump to Loki. Um. Again. Well. Again, I feel like this. This show is still continuing to go in a really good direction it's continuing to establish itself it kind of took a turn this this week a little bit and i think it's an interesting turn by having lana lang become um you know kellel's mother and it it was just kind of something that we never i don't know if we've ever really seen and i'm interested to see where it goes in the future this was so cool because you know clark well cal got a chance to meet his birth mother right and um i i just think his reaction was perfect um you know every week tyler tyler hulkin just hulchin or hulkin is that how you say his name right? it's hecklin yeah. okay tyler hecklin just he just wins me over more and more as superman uh, he's god he's really good at it um it's again it's yeah and you know it's really focusing on character development which is and, I, and again i think it's not even a long series which is which is good and which the CW should have really done in the beginning. Like, but I don't know if this will be a really long series because I just don't feel like they're going to continue to push those shows for some reason. I mean, even if you look at the ratings, like we looked at, I I snapped that to you. Mm -hmm. Ratings are super low for all the shows and compared to where they start to where they finish, it just, it's like not looking good. Yeah. Um, But still, but, I'm I'm tuning in to Superman and Lois. This week's episode was really cool. With the end of last week's episode of um, Morgan Edge being uh, Clark's or Cal's brother, essentially um, showing up to really good twist, um, a good take. I'm glad to your point. He's not General Zod. This makes it a little different. Um, and this Superman probably has already tussled with General Zod. To be honest with you, um, maybe not. Maybe not. Zod's always always around. Um, and I was very, I was left on more of a cliffhanger than I thought. Um, we obviously haven't seen the last of Steel. He's going to come back and help Superman some, some sort in some capacity because they ended on good terms. At least I hope we see more of Steel. He's oh he's yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah, we have to. He was he was pretty badass. Um, so if they come back for like one final showdown against Morgan Edge, like that ending with him and his his one um, Kryptonian soldier who didn't get changed. They were walking to like this cliffside. Was there something I missed? It just it's it's very it's very mysterious how they're going to move forward with this. Yeah, it seems like he's got a he's got a uh, you know another plan in mind of what he's going to do next, and so I'm sure it's probably not over. Maybe we haven't really kind of figured out the full story behind who he is and what he's there to do. So um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. But more to come on that. So, um, as in the coming weeks. But, but again, you know, give me as much the Superman and Lois as you want to um, until they end that. But um, and hopefully it doesn't jump shark. 
the Marvel. Now let's talk Loki episode two. Uh, I thought it was just on par with the first episode. It was decent. It was good. Um, a good reveal at the end with, um, well, let's start there. And, um, they eventually, you know, Loki eventually, you know, figured out that this variant is living in apocalyptic um, timelines. Uh, he tried to get them to go to Ragnarok, um, which is pretty, I don't know. I'm liking that. I feel like, um, I feel like Marvel and the MCU specifically is trying to fix the bad things about Ragnarok and like Thor Two, the Dark World, and and even part of the first Thor movie. Because I don't know, what did you think about Ragnarok? Right? Are you in the same same mindset as me, where it's as a comedy, it's good, but as a comic book movie, it kind of sucked. Well, I would say this. If anything good came out of that, I thought Hela was a good villain. Uh, that's um, true. I, I think she, you know, here's your first fully, I don't know if it's the first one, but you have a fully evil villain. She looked good in the in the film, and you believed her ability. I mean, she, she lands on, she gets, she lands on Asgard, and she just fucking kills everybody. And it's just, it's nice. pretty awesome with that. My big problem with that movie is, yeah, there was a little bit too much comedy, and the Hulk pissed me off like all hell. And uh, that fight between Thor and the Hulk was cool and everything. But they just make Hulk into the biggest bitch. Like, they should call him the incredible bitch. Because that's oh. they just do not do him justice. And my biggest gripe with that movie is at the end. You see this big-ass wolf on the bridge ready to kill all these Asgardians. And then the Hulk drops and hits the bridge. And then he doesn't even Hulk out at first. But then he does, and you're like thinking, oh, my God, you're going to see a big epic fight between this big-ass wolf and the Hulk. And you don't. They just roll off the bridge. Maybe they kiss each other. Who knows what happened? <laughs> and and you don't see it. And I'm just like, they... And I think you even mentioned to me that Lou Ferrigno was kind of, like, ripping on him, too. Like, you know, give us the Hulk. Give us the Hulk that we saw in Avengers 2020, uh, 2012, where he fucking hulks out and just destroys that war warship with the punch, which is one of the greatest punches I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. even, so, even the Hulk from Age of Ultron, and, and I hated Age of Age of Ultron. He was better in that movie. Yeah, he was good in there too. But but, but kind of uh, reeling it back to Loki. Um, like I said, I believe this was on par with the first episode, and I'm still enjoying how this show is tying in the past, regardless of what. The likes of IGN says, and they gave this episode another seven. Big shocker, IGN. You gave something another seven. Good Lord. Um, They're usually better with uh, Marvel stuff, though. They're usually Marvel fanboys. They notoriously hate DC stuff. It's true. It is true. So this time, Loki was persuading or trying to persuade the gang to go to Ragnarok, like I said, selfishly for his own reasons, and also to prove a point. Um, this episode was set up really well with the payoff coming at the end with... Again, I guess I'm making an assumption, and you and I talked about this. This could be Marvel's in, version of Enchantress, but a lot of people are calling her Lady Loki uh, with the reveal at the end. So let's quickly explore their possibilities. If it's Lady Loki, it's a variant of Loki from another time or a world who's hell-bent on destroying the TVA and successfully resets a bunch of timelines, um, which we should, we should talk about that real quick. Um, or... Um, and an Easter egg actually confirmed this or pretty much confirmed this. So I'm more leaning towards this is who this person is. 
but it's Enchantress called Sylvie. She, she could be Sylvie Lushton, uh, which she is in the comics, uh, and revealed by the Easter egg, uh, Sylvie. Uh, God, the last name is something close to Loki's last name, like Lufidotter or some crap like that. I, I'm not even going to try. I'm so bad at names. Um, in the comics, she was basically created by Loki to be an agent of chaos, and she's not really a Loki, but she is. She's not really a Loki. She's kind of his pseudo daughter. So, but I think the MCU is going to have their own take on who this person is. Um, I think ultimately, she's going to be somewhat of a of a variant of Loki, but she's not a real Loki. She's going to be closer to the Enchantress. Um, and those those timelines she reset. So remember when she dropped all this the set charges at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. um, and they went to like I don't know like multiple different timelines. Um, and and if you were eagle eyed enough, you could spot all the different branches that were being made on the episode. I had to read an article on this. So the article basically um, panned out every single charge, of like in which timelines were branching off and changing from the direction of what was supposed to happen. So this is crazy. Like if the TVA it really is the be all end all of time, like what Lady Loki or Enchantress just did is throwing the MCU like upside down. I mean, this is you huge. Know, I, I had a thought. You know, um, you know how they have they keep talking about those keepers of time. Yes. Um, what do they call them? The Time Guardians or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much you want to bet? That they're not, they're they're dead, and they oh, don't 100%. even exist. Yep. And like, whoever that lady, um, Owen Wilson's character keeps going in to talk to, I bet she's doing it really, kind of acting on their behalf, and really doing it for some other agenda. Um, I don't know if I that that was my impression, and that that's going to be bring an interesting debate about, you know. What makes sense for as far as the timeline? What's considered a variant? I mean, it's kind of bananas when you really think about it. But I guess it's you really can't really make sense of that in a show about like changing the timeline or something like that. True. Um, yeah, Loki, and we're only given six episodes, so four more, to, four more, four more to go, and there's a lot still to be rehashed. Um, it's going to be crazy if they actually go to all those timelines or go to a few of them that she really messed up with. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see the reason why. Um, but I think this is going to really turn. I mean, this basically sets up Dr. Strange two in the multiverse of madness. He's going to have to fix all this. <laughs> so, yeah, I bet it's going to play heavily into that. And I, I still feel like, you know, why only six episodes? Like you really could have done 10 episodes of this. I mean, really, you could really let this breathe because everybody loves, Tom Hiddleston's take on Loki. And even if you just made a fuck off episode where they just, you know, Loki, I don't know, does something fun. He like he goes to a beach or something. He goes to Disney World and he's like on, on a quest to find the best beignet there. I don't know. I mean, like I, I would still be fun and it would be watchable. Like really, you, you can't really fail with this. Agreed. With, with that storyline. Agreed. Agreed. Let's do something. I mean, I don't know. Each episode's an hour long, so we're getting six hour-long episodes. Maybe they'd be shorter if there were ten episodes, but you can make the argument that six episodes, too, doesn't allow it to drag on, and it really makes a lasting impact. But I like I like the ten number. I feel like that's good enough. Okay. That's fair. A nice compromise. So, speaking of things that I don't believe will deliver, like Loki is delivering, 
Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy game trailer debuted this week, and it, the game is officially coming out on October 26, 2021. Um, Kyle, would you like to give your thoughts on the Guardians of the Galaxy game? Do you want me to give you my thoughts, or do you want me to give you the review that uh, I gave you the other day? Oh, that was a riveting review, if you could please, for our audience. So when I watched the trailer, my I had many thoughts about this, but it just I really tried to cons- you know really make it more concise. And this this was my thoughts. I'm not done. I'm done. Really? You think that's going to happen, huh? Well, it's bold of you. <laughs> I feel like we're getting an Avengers PS4 Part 2. That's yes. it, It's getting hyped. It looks good. I mean, you know, I mean, at least the graphics look good. I don't know why they made Star-Lord with blonde hair. I mean, you know, they're, the movies were so iconic in the way they looked. Like, you really tried to shape them to look a little bit more like the people you've seen on the screen, but I digress, but I feel like this is going to be another flush it down the toilet type of game. Yes. 100% agreed. Um, They changed a good amount of the characters designs. I kind of like Drax's design a little bit better in the game, to be honest with you, but uh, it's, it's, it is what it is. Um, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not too excited about this because it reminds me a lot of Avengers and Avengers started out so strong and fell flat on its face. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what the reviews are when this game comes out. I'm sure IGN will give it another seven. A lot of people were not happy with it either. Cause I was reading a lot of the comments and a good majority were just like disappointment. Yeah. So yeah. here's a uh, Spider-Man PS4, PS5 part two. That's right. Coming up. That's right. Bring us, bring us all the Spider-Man games because that's that's one Marvel franchise, a game franchise that they always get right. Um, so spe- speaking of Sony, actually, um, Morbius news, and we haven't talked too much about Morbius, um, but Sony claims the film is not in the MCU after an actor in the movie, uh, by, the, by you know Tyrese, uh, the actor Tyrese, he commented originally when just straight up asked that they asked him, "Hey, is this movie in the MCU?" and he said yes. And then they clarified, they're like, this movie's in the same universe as the Avengers. And he said, yes. But Sony is quick, quickly came out and said, good Lord, no, it's not. It's in, their, it's in their own Spider-Man universe, which is like Venom and Carnage and all that jazz. Could, could Morbius fit in the MCU? Seems kind of... Probably. Probably not. I, yeah. You know, the MCU is like PG-13. So Morbius, it's hard to do a vampire film with it being pg-13 like you know the blade films were all rated r and i would have protested heavily i will protest when when mahershala lee brings blade back to the screen if it's not rated r i swear to god somebody's gonna get like a pie thrown at them i don't know (laughs) uh speaking of pies and people throwing things at each other let's move it on to theme park and star wars news and anything additional we feel like talking about um this is exciting and look look if you are somebody who wants to wear a mask if you still feel unsafe and you're out and about in the pandemic that is your derogative that's your choice and i support that 110 percent. but me myself and i know kyle um we're big theme park goers and i'm thrilled that both disneyland and walt disney world 
officially disked their mask policy pretty much everywhere except for maybe some transportation and some close quarters places. But you don't need the mask anymore. And that, that includes Disneyland. Um, and uh, I'll be there in less than three weeks. Thank you very much. So I can't wait to be able to breathe fresh air while walking down Main Street, USA. And we're getting fireworks back on July 1st and July 4th at well, the parks, respectively. That's awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. Fireworks you- show is like some people, I used to write that off and I didn't see it until we went in 2019. And I was like, this is what I was missing the entire time. And some people might look at it and it's like, yeah, fireworks, you know, I've seen that. But they, it's a truly magnetic performance and it's unlike anything you've ever seen. It, it will true. touch, it will like connect with your inner child. That's, I feel like, the best description of it. Yeah, I, I never expected Happily Ever After, which is the show they've got going on right now, their nighttime castle projection and fireworks show. I, I never thought that I'd get hit that hard emotionally with a fireworks show. <laughs> and it's 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 crazy. Disney just nails it again. Um, I don't know how they do it. So we're excited to see, um, you know, things were just returning to normal. Um, if I could just say that, and we're excited for fireworks to coming back. Um more things we're excited about. A new report suggests Lucasfilms is looking to cast Barris Offee in the Ahsoka series. So, Kyle, uh, let me give you a little background on Barris Offee. Um, she was uh, Barris was a former Padawan, Padawan alongside Ahsoka, who eventually betrayed the Jedi Order and framed Ahsoka for bombing the Jedi Temple. So, in the Clone Wars, a really big uh, something that really big happened. I can't remember what season it was, but it was was towards the end of the original run. Um, Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order. She gets banished, essentially. She was technically expelled from the Jedi Order. Um, And this is why Ahsoka is not considered a Jedi Knight, technically. If you ever see somebody calling her out for that. Um, She was framed. She she was framed by Barriss Afi and framed for bombing the Jedi Temple. Um, And instead of just killing her or... or, or, um, you know, locking her up, they just expelled her from the Jedi Order and said you can never become one. So the fact that this report is suggesting that Barris could be back in the series with Ahsoka, I'd like to see the two of them go kind of face-to-face and head-to-head again. Um, there's some shit that has to be worked out between the two of them, but we can go further into that. Um, do you know much about Ahsoka, Kyle? Are you? Is this a series Not that you're really. going to watch because it's Star Wars and it connected to the Mandalorian? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And I know she was a big part of the, you know, the Clone Wars TV series. And, uh, you know what, I feel like Rosario D- Dawson is just, she's such a cool actress, and she's done yeah. so many cool roles. I mean, she was the voice, I believe, of Wonder Woman uh, in a lot of the animated, uh, Justice League animated movies. So right. it'll be, um, you know, I and just her, that episode in general, I think that you said that that was your favorite episode of of season two and I, I'm really looking forward to it and cool lightsaber. And she was just a badass. So yeah, such I mean, a badass. really cool. Yeah. The Mandalorian wrote her perfectly pulled her out of clone wars. And first thing I said to Courtney, when we watched that episode, I just turned to her and said, I'm like, well, shit, they understand this character very well. So um, anyway, um, more star Wars, the book of Boba Fett will have flashbacks um, between, in the time between, you know, uh, Boba's supposed death 
and um, his time in the Mandalorian. So we're finally going to see, essentially going to see how the hell he survived that Sarlacc pit. I mean, Boba Fett is pretty badass, uh, which we now know thanks to the Mandalorian season two. But we're going to see how he survived, and we're going to we're going to see him and Fennec Shan tear some shit up. Um, and Kyle, your your what's going to be your favorite show, um, which is a spinoff from Rogue One, Andor, is reportedly bringing back the incomparable director Krennic and um, Forrest Whitaker Saw Gerrera. So we're getting some pretty. I mean, we saw Saw Gerrera in The Bad Batch recently, um, earlier in season one, or yeah, season one of The Bad Batch. I almost called it Clone Wars season eight, but I digress. Um, so you excited about the Rogue One spitoff, Kyle? You know what? I'll watch it. I mean, okay. I don't, you know, and, and you know, uh, our buddy Joe tore me a new one when I saw him recently, when I talked to Illa of uh, The Last Jedi and, and Rogue One. So, I, you know, even though it was didn't work for me, I, I will watch it and we'll give it a chance. I mean, that didn't work for me, but maybe this will. I think Saw is an interesting character. I know he was also in Fallen Order. So, um, again, it's like I looked at Mandalorian. I wasn't interested in the beginning when, every, when everybody was talking about it. And then I'm just like, I have nothing to watch. I'll watch it. And I was blown away. So, hell yeah. Got to give it a um, chance. You know what I mean, speaking of Fallen Order, um, it just received a PS5 and an Xbox XS upgrade. I still haven't purchased it, but I'm going to because I want to play Fallen Order again. Specifically because I, um, so Braca, the planet that you start on, start out on in the uh, Scrappers Guild on Fallen Order, you know, garbage planet, whatever you want to call it, that scrapper planet that you start on. The Bad Batch visited that planet just recently on a, a, a couple episodes ago, and I was glued oh. to the TV because I'm like, oh my God, show Cal, show Cal, show Cal. Now, Cal was about, so in the game, Cal's probably a teenager, right? Like late teens, early early twenties, maybe. I would say like maybe I put put him at like twenty. Yeah, like twenty one. Yeah, twenty is about right. And when he's a Padawan, when you're escaping the Star Cruiser during Order sixty six in the game, um, well, well, anyway, basically the Bad Batch is directly after Order sixty six. So I was hoping we might see a younger Cal Kestis. Like, even if you just saw, like, they walked past, like, a, a Padawan in Jedi clothes or Scrap Jedi clothes who just was redhead, just kind of hiding out in the corner that they left alone, I would have been happy with that because you knew you knew who it was. But Cal's probably not on Bracca yet, but he makes it there eventually, and they're still on Bracca right now, um, although the Bad Batch just got out of the Empire's way, and I can't remember if they flew off the planet or not, but anyway. Um could we see Cal on the Bad Batch? I think we can, and I think we should. Um, uh, just recently, the Bad Batch episode eight quick review, they brought back a, an extremely popular character by the name of Cad Bane. He's a badass assassin, and he stole Omega. Um, who is Omega, for those who are asking? Um, so Omega is this clone who the Bad Batch essentially, they didn't kidnap, they they rescued her from Kamino because the Kami... Kaminoans, um, or the Kaminoans, want to get her back. That's why they hired Cam Cad Bane to go pick her up from Bracca and the Bad Batch. So at the end of episode eight, we see her flying off with Cad Bane. Um, so who is Omega going to be? Um, and Kyle, I'm going to make mention of this as Brad Hughes of Jedi Talk, uh, the incomparable and very popular Jedi Talk, 
um, said he, he doesn't 100% believe this to be true, but he has a feeling that Omega could end up being Ray's uh, birth mother, um, who we see very, very briefly in episode nine in flashback. So the fact that they might tie this back. So if Omega is Ray's birth mother, that means Ray is half Palpatine and Boba Fett. Um, that would be kind of crazy. Wow. wow. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like they're, they're kind of taking the Marvel approach where they're creating this huge, huge world and connecting all these stories together. It's an, it's a massive feat and it's, it's really cool the way that they're doing it. Yes, sir. One quick, last quick bit of uh, Star Wars news before I ginger snap, and then we talk about Man of Steel. Uh, we had a lot of news to get through this morning. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson, said on Jimmy Kimmel that he was not approached about reprising the role of Qui-Gon Jinn. I call complete bullshit on that. Um, actors never release any of that stuff, and they're never going to be truthful about it. I think that Liam Neeson is going to show up as a Force ghost, or you're at least going to hear his voice in the Kenobi series. Um, and if it doesn't happen, I will come on this podcast and eat a pie until I throw up. I, I, I just, that's how, that's how um, sure I am that he's going to show up in this series. So I hope that doesn't happen. So you have to come on here and eat a pie until you throw up. You know what? I'm going to eat my words for that, but whatever. Maybe I willed it into existence that Liam Neeson will show up. Um, so, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snap a little bit today talking about people specifically you know enjoy the things you like without ridicule why has it become such a crime to enjoy life how you see fit you see it everywhere in this digital age you sign into any social media app and you're welcomed to hate pun intended let me paint a picture You've been a lifelong fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Okay, you grew up with the OG movies, the cartoon, the figures, and the video games. You're an adult now, and there are plans to reboot the franchise for like a PG, PG-13 type of audience. You're excited. That glimmer of hope to raise you out of the daily depression and battles with the highs and lows of a common life in this modern world gave you a little glimmer of that hope. The member berries are swirling, you're riding a high, and you share the trailer online of your many social media mediums. Within seconds, your online friends and family almost crawl to the post with their unwanted negativity. The only like the post receives is essentially from your grandmother, who's confused by the post, thinking that you bought new pet turtles. She doesn't understand the trailer. So why must these friends of yours come take you down, you ask? Um, why? why? Why must they hate on everything that you love? It's because they're so sick and tired of their monotonous lives, they have to glam onto any little bit of happiness and hope and bring it down to their fucking level. It's the same thing that big media does. And this isn't a political podcast, and this isn't a political stand by me, but one, uh, or this, this stand that I'm about, or this uh, comment that I'm about to make is not a political one, uh, one way or another, because it's done, this is done across the board um, with big media. But the headlines are always doom and gloom, end of the world, tearing us apart. When in reality, if we thought for ourselves for a second, we'd see the real story for what it's worth. And then we're gifted with the blessing of free will to make informed decisions. So read things for yourself, people. Get information for yourself. Stop relying on the clickbait headlines and the news to give you the doom and gloom. You turn in on 5.30 every night to Fox, your local Fox channel or your local ABC channel to get the news from your favorite local anchor. And the first things that they're going to do is tell you who got shot, 
who um, uh, who was racist, who was who um, what what the president is doing at the time. And depending on who the president is, they may make them look good. They may make him or her look bad. Um, but you name it, if it's popular, you know, they're 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 gonna, they're tanking your money. Um, you know, the, if it bleeds, it leads for for these news stations. Uh, um, but I'm getting off on a tangent and I digress. Um, I demand that the fat Lindas and the fat Leonards of the world reevaluate your priorities before you type a nacho cheese fueled rant online about why the reason I'm excited for something you def- you find deplorable is unacceptable. Good luck dying alone with your hate and just know that you've hurt nobody but yourself in the long run because being exposed to that much Mountain Dew and cheesecake is going to kill you. Okay, I snap ended. Let's talk about Man of Steel, Man of Steel, Kyle, Man of Steel, Kyle. Jesus, I'm getting mad at all these people hating on stuff that we love. Those stupid negative Nancys. Let's talk about it. All right, Man of Steel, it is. So why? So let's just give our honest review on on Man of Steel, right? Give your honest review and rating of the movie. You know, what do we like? What do we hate? What would we change? Why does it get so much controversy that it does, Kyle? You know, I feel like I've rewatched this movie maybe a dozen times since 2013. And I don't really find much wrong with it. The only thing that I think was different that maybe they could have altered a little bit is made... Henry Cavill's Superman a little bit more of a Boy Scout because I think when you pair him with like a dark and gritty Superman with a dark against a dark and gritty Batman, it kind of cancels each other out a little bit. And so there's that good dynamic, the yin and yang type of um, scenario. But outside of that, like I think it's a it's a damn near perfect Superman film. It had everything that we the, we wanted that we didn't get. You know, massive destruction. Good, you know, good origin story great theme music um great casting too like i think everybody there was you know did really really well and the fact that it you know some critics didn't like it or it got kind of panned it just it it really like really really i can't even see it like it doesn't make sense to me at all usually when i like something and somebody else doesn't i can kind of see where they're coming from this one i can't just can't oh it's 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 the they want the campy Superman in lieu of the darker real world Clark Kent Superman that Zack Snyder gave us. So I say, okay to that. I say, okay. And then I go back and then let's say I'll review some of that Christopher Reeve stuff or I'll read the golden age comics where Superman was the boy scout and he could do no wrong. And he was Mm -hmm. larger than life. And I get that's the appeal of Superman. I get that. That's the kind of hope that he gives, but to your point, Man of Steel was done so incredibly well and how they took as real as you could possibly get um, to this world. Because I don't think, uh, obviously, Krypton never existed um, uh, from as far as we know. Uh, so there aren't any aliens hanging out in our world right now who are fueled by our yellow sun and um, can shoot lasers out of their eyes. But I digress. So this is the closest that we can get, and you can you just relate to this character so much better than I think you can relate to any Superman before, and 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 that's why Batman is is really a very popular superhero in Vigilante because a lot of people can relate to his suffering because he's a real human being, and what Henry Cavill 
and Zack Snyder did was they took a god and made him a man. And that's what I love about this iteration of Superman. You know, he's living in a world that he essentially has to turn around and prove um, who, you know, in this world that he's lived in for 30 years, let's say, um, that he's lived amongst for 30 years and been a part of this community. Now he all of a sudden, on like the drop of a dime, because he's revealed himself, he has to prove that he's not, not a threat when he's been living amongst everybody. And Clark and Superman tells a similar story to, I believe, Lois, or it could be General Swanwick or one of the other uh, military men who he's working with during the film and during the story while they're trying to figure out what, what to do with General Zod. So honest review of the movie, gosh, I, I'd give it, I'd probably give Man of Steel a 9 out of 10. Uh, um what the hell would I change? I don't know. Make, maybe make it longer. I, you know, I think you nailed it on the head. What would you do differently? And you, you kind of said, make it a little bit more boy Scottish, a little bit more, maybe a little bit more hope into this Superman, but he gives us all the hope that we could possibly ask for, you know, general Zod's about to change um, the, the earth into Krypton and everyone's going to die except for the Kryptonians. Uh, and you know, Superman gives you all the hope that you want. And, you know, regardless of all the destruction, you know, the, which is going to happen by, by one and uh, an alien who just learned about his powers and can fly now, uh, and two general Zod, who doesn't give a shit about, um, really humanity amongst himself and, um, reviving the Kryptonian race. So long story short. This movie gets panned for all the wrong reasons. I People hate Zack Snyder. They love to hate Zack Snyder. And I think some of it is what the shit he gets online um, overall and the shit that he just, you know, stereotypical, you know, you know, it's out there. People don't like the longer movies. People don't like a lot of the slow-mo. You know, it's darker. Um, a lot of people praise 300 and Watchmen. A lot of people forget Zack Snyder did that as a really good movie. Um, so if you're going into it with Snyder bias already, or you're not going to like Man of Steel, but you're not giving it an honest shot. It's, it's, and I'm re revealing, you know, something we were going to talk about later, but it's my third favorite movie in the DCEU. Uh, it's, and that's my honest review. Um, what did I hate about it? God, I could, I tried to find something I didn't like, but I just could not find something I didn't like. Right. It was tough. I found, I actually thought of something I didn't like. Okay. So. Uh, it was a scene where that they're like uh, they're hiding from the tornado, and Jonathan Kent, you know, signals to Clark, "No, don't, don't come save me." And I just thought that that was, I thought that was so tacky to me personally. Like, you know, Clark saves a bus, a school bus of kids, and they all see him do it, and nobody talks about it. I mean, it's like how many times people see things that and they start talking about things that they see that nobody believes. I mean, you know what I mean? And here's, yeah. you know, a central character to Clark Kent's life that he just lets go. He could have saved him in an instant without anybody really even understanding what happened. And he doesn't. He just gets swept up by a tornado. And I just thought that could have been done better. Yeah, I, I get that. I do. I get that. Um I don't know how you do it. I get what they were trying to prove with it, where Jonathan Kent was just 
if you save me, these people will fear you and they will hate you. And he was trying to protect him. It, it's, it's, man, I love more and more than thinking about it. I love how different, and it's funny, we're talking about this on Father's Day, uh, but happy Father's Day, everybody, by the way. Um, and we're, and we're, we're talking about this on Father's Day, but you've got two different types of fathers that Clark and Cal have to deal with in this movie. You've got the consciousness of Jor-El, who's within the Kryptonian ship, who is still giving him life lessons. Um, and then you've got his Earth father and Jonathan Kent as he's growing up into a young adult, and then he who he eventually loses. Jonathan Kent wants to hide him from the world because he knows the world's going to be scared of him. They're going to fear him and eventually try to kill him, you know, which they like Sleuther successfully does. Um, and then you've got Jor-El who is with the quote that I used to open up this podcast, which you heard where the others will join you in the sun. It's like, get out there, be their hero, inspire them. You're God to these people, you know, be the hope that they need. So Jor-El wants him to do great things. Jonathan wants him to sit and just live an easy life in Smallville for the rest of his life. It's so, ah, that's so good. Just sitting there thinking about the pull, you know, such good character pull uh, and, and, ca and character development. Because this is a young Clark Kent. This is a young Superman. This is a, a young Kal-El who's learning about the world, still learning about his powers. He hasn't met Bruce Wayne yet. You know, he hasn't met Batman. Um, so yeah, it's in... The controversy is, is such bullshit that this movie gets. It's, it's because you hate Zach. And just admit it. Just admit that you hate him. But I get your point with that scene because the bus saving, a he was on, well, I guess it, him being on fire and saving those people out of the oil tanker was a little bit, was after Jonathan died. But you make a great point, especially to that, that uh, one fat kid that's always... Uh, messing with him he saved him at the end there so he knows what happened so anyway any last thoughts on on an honest review for man of steel before we move it along sir no no not at all okay. so let's let's segue directly into henry cavill's performance is he the greatest superman we've ever had on screen and i will just eloquently put it henry cavill is the greatest on-screen superman we've ever had um, i've said that before and i'll say it again I credit this to both Snyder and Henry. Um, look at Man of Steel from the surface. It's a story about an alien, and, and I said this earlier, poses no threat to humanity because he's lived amongst them for 30 years fighting to prove himself. And he does. And that comes with the greatest sacrifice of him being forced between the choose, you know, forced to choose between his blood race with General Zod or his adopted race. Um, and we can relate to this version so much more that Zach and Henry give us because of that fight for acceptance that most can relate with. Again, Clark, or not Clark, but Cal, Superman, has to fight to be accepted in a world that he's lived in his pretty much his whole life, amongst a couple of months or a couple of hours he was a baby on Krypton. Um, and he makes the greatest sacrifice. You know, General Zod is the last connection that he has to his homeworld, and he just, boop, snaps his neck. But he had no choice. You know, that character had no choice. You get consequences. You get real world emotion and feeling with the Superman. That's why I think he's the best. That's why I think he's the best Superman on screen, hands down. You know, it's it's hard to really rank the Superman now because they were all kind of done in different time periods. And 
you almost can't really even compare Christopher Reeve's Superman with Henry Cavill's because they're so vastly different. And I I made a note of like going back and watching Superman Returns in 2006. Um, I watched that recently and I couldn't really finish it. And I used to really like that movie. And I would say Brandon Routh is a did excellently as Superman and he like a carbon copy of Christopher Reeve. Um, but there was just something, something missing in that film. I don't know exactly what it is, but something missing. Um, so, but Henry Cavill is definitely such an excellent casting pick. I love him as an actor. I think he's great. I also like him in the Witcher. I think he's, he's just a, he's a really good portrayal of Superman and, and we, and, we all want to see him come back. Um, Christopher Reeve was really good as Superman, too. I grew up on those movies. I remember watching them as a kid. And, you know, one of my favorite scenes in, I think it was like the first Superman is when they're at, um, what is it called? Uh, you know, his ice cave. What the fuck is it called? Why can't I think of it? Oh, the Fortress of Solitude. Fortress of Solitude. Thank you. And he sits in that mechanism where you know, that he hits the machine and, like, everybody loses their powers and they think he's, um, Superman's losing his powers and then he comes out and Zod is like, kneel before Zod! And then he kneels and then he's like, take my hand and he grabs his hand and then he just crushes it and in comes in the theme music of that iconic Superman theme and then you just see General Zod go, yep. Such, such a great fucking scene. That was so amazing. Um, Man, even by today's standards, that's a great that's a great scene. But Christopher Reeve did such a good job because he was the quintessential Boy Scout Superman. I mean, he was the embodiment of hope. Like he was the good guy, you know, um, truth, justice in the American way. Henry Cavill is not. He's kind of more of your modern day Superman, where it's like there is definitely hope, and you know, I they haven't talked about truth, justice in the American way. God knows if anybody knows what that is anymore. Um, but there's just like this darker kind of take. And like you were saying earlier, you can kind of, they made him more, a little bit more humanized where he's not so much God, but it, you know, they try to think really trying to make a character you, you could connect with. Mm-hmm. And I think they did an excellent job. Cause he, he's still finding his way in this world when he's discovered by Lois and discovered by the people who make decisions and the people who probably shouldn't have discovered him. Um, he's still finding his place in this world and his place was to be Superman, to be hope, to be the beacon of light for a cruel world, for Metropolis, for Smallville, for whomever that needs to see that. Um, so it's funny that kind of blends into that one that we were going to talk about comparing other Superman and all those points you made about Christopher, you hundred percent, right. And it's funny you bring up the Superman two ending. Um, so, and if I remember, it's been forever since I've seen Superman 2. Um, but Clark is depowered in the movie, right? Um, right. And that scene that you're talking about, is, is it the Eradicator that they use? Or is it a version of the Eradicator? I haven't literally watched that, that movie in many, many years. Probably since I was a kid, so I don't really, I don't really know. Kind of afraid to go back and watch it because then it yeah. might ruin my childhood a little bit. But... You know, with the 70s style like yeah. movies, but, but anyway. But the, the, the point I'm, I'm, I'm getting to make is 
Clark is de depowered at the time. The, he uses the Eradicator, I believe, to give himself the powers back and then takes Zod's powers away from them while restoring his own. And then that hand-crushing scene, that's basically Superman back to full strength, just crushing a mere mortal's hand, which is, which is fine. That's not the problem I have. The problem I have is he picks Zod up and then throws him into the bottomless pit, like murdering him, right? People want to give shit to Henry Cavill and the Snyder Superman for snapping Zod's neck when having literally having a breakdown about doing it after he does it, but you're okay with Christopher Reeve murdering General Zod in Superman 2. Why? What's what's this is way worse than the Man of Steel ending, if you ask me. <laughs> you know that that ending really never bothered me. Like it, you know, it kind of made sense to the plot and I mean, what else was he going to do? Like, you know, put him in jail? Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I I don't, I never really had a problem with that. And even, I think people more had a problem with Batman and Batman v Superman killing people because that's Batman's, like, core to who he is. That's his code. And they didn't really kind of explain that well, like I, we kind of talked about. So yeah, that, that probably was more of a problem. But you know, I think it it was controversial, but sometimes controversial is good storytelling. You know, you can't always just like be have a cookie cutter story and ending. Like it's like I I thought that of Infinity War. Like I I never read anything about the Infinity Gauntlet or Thanos or you know the mm -hmm. Infinity Stones, and so I was really surprised at the end of that movie where everybody fucking dies, and I was just like, oh my god, Marvel like you know, push the envelope and killed everybody. That was controversial and unexpected. Yeah, 100%. Um, 100% unexpected there. And real quick on Batman in killing people in Batman versus Superman. He's not the only fucking Batman who's killed before on screen. Like, if you, even though Bale, Bale's Batman was big on no guns, no killing, he let people fall off of shit. He, <laughs> He essentially killed Rachel Ghoul. He said he didn't have to save him, but he. Uh, that's he, a that's a debate about that, like I an know. ethical debate. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. But. But it, like he, physically killing him with his bare hands. Right, right. He didn't do that. Keaton's Batman killed. Um, like, I know he did. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. And there's there's videos out there of basically proving like. Again, Affleck's Batman wasn't the only one who's killed him before. Right. And I think, you know, most of the general public might not know that. And even the beginning comics of Batman, he did kill. Like, he hung some dude from a plane or the helicopter. And yeah. so, it's, I think the current trend, though, and what they really popularized in Batman the Animated Series is that ethical code of Batman does not kill. Right. So, right. But, uh, yeah, again, it's like, I feel like that would have made more sense if they just talked about, you know, they had that amazing one of my favorite open scenes, opening scenes where you, Batman's like rushing in uh, because Zod and Superman are fighting each other. He's rushing into the, you know, the chaos and the panic. And then it just after that's done, it just says 18 months later and then you see him like killing people. And I just felt like that that transition, they could have done more with that. They could have explained, you know, maybe it could have just been a scene where. Batman's talking to Alfred and he says that, you know, it just doesn't make sense to have that code anymore. Not with Superman beings like Superman and Zod existing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I just did. felt like they needed more explanation with that. It, yeah. And it, 
they they had the scene and if you blink you miss it it's the scene is new rules sir it's like and uh ben goes we're criminals alfred we've always been criminals nothing's changed um and then that was that's the lead into oh everything's changed you know men fall from the sky this that and the other the fever the rage scene that that i i've read into at least for me to be the scene from batman versus superman that says okay this god from the sky exists we've seen zod too you know we've seen him kill zod that's what's got batman all fucked up in the head um and killing people but but we can we can get into forever for batman versus superman but i want to i want to reel it back to zod so zod to me could be the greatest dc extended universe villain to date right now um let's talk this excellent performance by michael shannon um so what did you think of zod overall and where do you rank him on your villains list of of in general uh, no in the in the dceu from what we've seen thus far from man of steel up to the snyder cut Oh man. Well, I would say Michael Shannon's performance was pretty pretty uh, epic. And I think oh, yeah. he just does such a good job at being you know kind of like crossing that the veil of being like sane and and slightly unhinged and and just his performance is so believable and that's what makes him such an, a great actor. And I think he just nailed this role. Um Everything about it. Like, I feel like you, you couldn't have picked a better actor for it. Favorite villain of the DCEU. Or, well, I would say, like, where would I rank him? Yeah, it doesn't have to be exact. Would you put him top, middle, bottom? Uh, absolutely the top. I don't know if I could really rank, like, the top villain. I don't Not at this point, anyway. I think, obviously, dark side, but, the, you know, you can't really... I don't know if you could do that yet, but... To me, Zod, yeah. To me, Zod would go up. It'd be one, one or one to two would be Zod and Steppenwolf for me. Um, one or two, and I, I, I can make the argument for either one being the greatest villain in the DCEU we've seen thus far. Obviously, I think when Jared Leto is eventually given the chance to shine as a Joker for at least a full feature-length film, then he's going to blow mm-hmm. everybody. But, um, but. Tizad, um, his purpose his, is his drive. That's what I love about this villain. Um, and he even shows a little remorse at times. And he shows sympathy, uh, sympathy, especially when he kills Jor-El. So you connect with this villain and you understand, even though his methods are very inhumane, um, he was the perfect, perfect first villain for Snyder's Superman because he matched him in power, in wit, he just was less of a human than uh, Kal-El was. And that's what eventually, you know, defeated him um, because Kal cared about the humans. Um, but Michael Shannon's performance alone with how they wrote General Zod um, is his crew that came down with him from Krypton and those Kryptonian ships. Um, and, you know, he brought Kal onto the ship. He tried to get him onto his side Um he explained his vision like a typical villain does, but again, you understand where this villain comes from. A good villain you're going to connect with and understand their point of view. Uh, he might end up I, being my favorite. He might end up being yeah. my favorite DCEU villain. I'm just going to say it. As far as range, and as I was thinking about it as you were talking, I feel like his performance was the most... Um, he had the most range, the most depth. Because like even Steppenwolf, 
you know, was a great performance um, and vastly, vastly. If you if we didn't have the Snyder cut, he wouldn't be like anywhere on that list for no. me. But yeah. they really fleshed out his story a lot better. But I, I think, you know, I would probably have to say at this point, yeah, Michael Shannon as General Zod, number one, Steppenwolf, number two. Yeah, sure. right there with you. Right there with you. So obviously we saw Zod return somewhat in Batman vs Superman when he was turned into Doomsday. And the more and more I think about that, the more and more I like that they did it that way. Um, it makes sense how Luther turned him into Doomsday. But so Warner Brothers Discovery doesn't want to give us Man of Steel 2, at least anytime soon. Boo. So yeah, right. Boo is right. So how would you, how would we, we write it, right? How would we write Man of Steel 2? And here's, Here's how I do it real quick. I know ideally everybody says Brainiac is up next for Superman. And I'd save Brainiac for the future, however, and give him a future Justice League battle movie. Vandal Savage is an interesting choice to me as well because he's practically immortal. Um, but he could serve as a really good Justice League villain as well. Um, I pull from Reign of the Superman. Give Steel a proper introduction in the DCEU have Lex Luthor stall for time with his Superboy. So have him create a version of Superman. He could be Superboy or a version of Superman. Um, maybe reusing the Doomsday body again. And, and could he, shit, you know, he'd create Bizarro Superman out of the Doomsday body. Um, it could lead to the armored Lex and the Krypton, you know, armored and Kryptonite laced, you know, body armor Lex Luthor and his version of Bizarro Superman versus Steel and Superman for the movie. Um, this will this would eventually be a giant distraction while Death, Deathstroke is trying to dismantle Batman from the inside out. This would be a connection to why Batman isn't around to help Clark out because this would be post-Justice League. So I'd do more with Lex. Give us like a bizarro Superman to kind of finish the, the Lex piece of the story. But at the same time, um, I would keep it connected having, you know, hints and bits and pieces from that Batman movie that we are never going to get the Batman and death Deathstroke movie in the Snyderverse that we're never going to get. But yeah, that's how I'd go. I'd keep away from Brainiac. How would you make a, make a man of steel too? Well, you never know about the Batman versus Deathstroke. Cause I, I heard again about rumblings about uh, Batman Arkham Knight series with Ben Affleck. And I, I would explode if they did that. I would literally fucking explode, but uh, I digress. If I were to make a Man of Steel 2, I wouldn't use Brainiac. Just like you were saying, that's like a that's like a trilogy movie. That's like the end. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But, you know, I think the movie we all want to see is Henry Cavill's Superman versus Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Black Adam. I mean, we need to see that. That would be... That would bring everybody into the theater because The Rock is The Rock. Rock can star in any movie he wants and people are going to go see it. Like it could be Rock, The Rock sitting around farting into a couch and like, it, you know, people would fucking watch it. I mean, they would. So I would I would introduce that. Maybe, you know, Black Adam has a different viewpoint of the way Clark is handling things or, or his, like role on Earth. Um, you could also bring in Supergirl and and kind of add into that story. You know, I think that would be an interesting story arc where Supergirl meets Superman and kind of like how they interact. Black Adam comes along, maybe throw in 
um, not Hawkeye. What the fuck is his name? Hawk, Hawk Man and Hawk Girl. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the two so, essentially immortal beings who keep dying and have to refind each other. Yeah, you, you know, there's a there's really a lot you can do with it, and I think Lex Luthor should be a part of it because I yes. know Jesse Eisenberg's. Lex Luthor got a lot of flack and people were like questioning in it and, and all that other stuff. But, you know, and I didn't like it at first either. I, I will say that. But the more that I watched Batman vs. Superman and, and when I watched Batman vs. Superman the first time, I really was depressed about it. Like, I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. But then when I saw it the second time, that's what really made me like it. And I think Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor really started to grow on me some more. Again, controversial casting, controversial you know, kind of acting method. But I think he was interesting. Like, he really did a good job at pitting Batman versus Superman and really controlling the man, in, you know, um, the Man of Steel. And just the quote, some of the quotes from that film was really good. Like, Batman versus Superman, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Day versus night, black versus blue, you know, man versus God. I thought that was brilliant, uh, you know, brilliant writing. Um, so I would I would say this, yeah, bring in Supergirl, connect him with Clark Kent, add Black Adam as a, as a main villain. I think that would be very interesting, or maybe even somebody else. Even if we didn't use The Rock, maybe you could use somebody like, you know, kind of create a new villain, um, or use like one that we've never really seen too much of. I don't know who that would be, but yeah, but yeah, you, I, you could do more. Again, if if you don't turn Doomsday's body into Bizarro Superman, you could revive him and we could see a a because i'm pretty sure zach has said before his intention with doomsday was that doomsday was not the final form like we were going to see more of that because he didn't really look like your traditional doomsday he was starting to as he was evolving before Mm -hmm. the kryptonite spear um so we could have seen more of that but i love you i love your idea of with with black adam um just because of the rock and Henry fighting each other. I, I, I have a idea. feeling that's going to be a re- reality though, because it, it's almost kind of like fans are clamoring for it. And when I know black Adam is going to explode, it's going to explode. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's only the logical next step, maybe even Shazam, you know, Zachary Levi, Shazam and, and man of steel, Henry Cavill's man of steel, you know, they could all duke it out. Fuck. That would be a great film. Hell yes. Um, and as we're slowing it down towards the end of our episode today, um, I wanted to leave this particular topic towards the end because it was at the end of Man of Steel, which is what we're talking about, and um, end of the Snyder Cut, the most recent DC Extended Universe movie that we all saw. So General Swanwick, um, just a character in Man of Steel, right? Um, but we now know he had a hidden agenda. Um, so... Let's go over the end of Man of Steel real quick. There's a military vehicle driving just kind of in the middle of nowhere. um, And then a drone crashes in front of them and blows up. And General Swanwick and... um, Oh, she's a Green Lantern character. Ferris? Fair something? Shoot. I don't remember either. She gets out uh, out of the Jeep with him. And I remember... It was a it was a nod to Green Lantern because of her name tag, but anyway, um, and Superman lands, and 
General Swanwick is just like, you just destroyed a, a million dollar drone, you know? Um, um, and, and Superman might've said something ahead of the schedule is like, you know, you could try to keep tabs on me, but you'll never find me. Let's keep, you know, kind of keep it that way. You could trust me basically. Um, and I think General Swanwick, this might've been the scene. He asked him, how do we know we could trust you? And he was like, I've lived here for 30 years. I'm from Kansas, you know, something like that. It was, it was a really wholesome scene and it gave us a glimmer of that boy scout Superman that everybody loves. But knowing what we now know about who general Swanwick is, and he's spoiler alert, Martian Manhunter from the Snyder cut. So he's been on earth a lot longer than we thought. Um, he it's it's so much fun to think about that scene because did he trust superman yet um did he know of the impending doom of dark side and um trying to you know unite the mother boxes to turn earth into apocalypse um does he know of batman yet does he know of the other supers uh, or the other meta humans um so it's really cool and it's really cool to see the parallels and I love how Snyder does this. Like Snyder has the memory of an elephant. He doesn't forget anything he's ever done in any of his films. Think about the ending of um, Man of Steel and the ending of the Snyder cut of Justice League. This uh, basically the same thing, two different characters. You've got the two biggest baddies, badasses of the Justice League of Batman and Superman basically being talked to by the same character, just in different versions, you know, Superman didn't know it was Martian Manhunter yet, but then Bruce met him as Martian Manhunter. Um, just the parallels are so cool. Um, that's why General Swanwick now is probably my favorite, like obscure extra character out of Man of Steel. Yeah, it's interesting that they did that. And it, uh, it really just, it's kind of a shame though, because it's like, you know, you look at it like Cyborg, it just kind of makes you want more. But I have hope for the future. I have, I have a feeling this is going to come back. I'm right there with you. Warner Brothers Discovery, if you're listening, if there's an intern that listens to this podcast, we're begging you. You know, I will pay a good, I'll pay double the ticket amount. I'll, I'll pay double the HBO Max subscription if you're going to give me more of the Snyderverse. Okay. Hashtag just restore it. Okay. Already. Um, oh, man. But all right. Uh, any last lasting thoughts on Man of Steel, Kyle, before we talk about next week and kind of move it along for this father's day. Um, I think we covered, you know, all the important pieces of, of, of that film, but there's nothing really else that I feel like is worth mentioning. No, we can, I mean, real quick mentioning how great of a job that Amy Adams does as Lois Lane. Um, mom, pa Kent, Kevin Costner and, uh, Diane, Diane Lane. Right. Yeah. Uh, Amy Adams was actually, on an episode of Smallville way back in the day. That's before she knew anybody. And oh, I remember really? like in, a, in an interview, somebody asked her like if she knew like later on, and she was just saying that she's just so surprised that she got to come back and be a part of this world. And it's it was interesting. Because um, I remember I watched Smallville for the first time, maybe like two or three years ago. Years ago, it was like way, way too late and late on. And it was like, I think in the first or second season, I'm like, oh my God, Amy Adams is... Kind of crazy how uh, she came back. It's kind of funny. She's her path is kind of similar to like Rosario Dawson. We were talking about, you know, Amy Adams. At least for me, really got in my forefront and in, in, in my view when she was Lois Lane for obvious reasons. Um, but then, but then again, like I've seen her 
like once she played Lois Lane, I saw the office episode with her in it. And then you mentioned the Smallville episode and then she starts popping up in all these other random episodes and, of different TV shows. And you're like, wow. So she was really on the scene before she hit it, you know, big in my world at least. So, um, Perry white too, we could talk about, um, in the movie, you know, he, he keeps the bullshit oh, yeah. away. He doesn't really care about anyone else other and he has a soft spot for Lois. So, um, but outside of that, yeah, that that's pretty much wraps up Man of Steel. Again, I give it a nine out of ten. It's my third favorite DCEU flick. Let me say that Perry uh, Perry White. Um, my favorite scene with him is it's actually an interesting one. Whereas, like his one of the employees is like caught in the rubble, and oh yeah, the world engine is clearly getting closer. And instead of running away, he just stays. And I thought that was an excellent, excellent just portrayal of humanity and, and like empathy like this you're he just lays down his life just because he's wanted somebody to be alone when they die it's truly an amazing beautiful moment i love hell that. yeah hell yeah and that's exactly where we'll end it so um before i give you the last word of the day kyle um next week and i've been talking to my buddy over at jedi talk podcast mr one brad hughes um, what would you think about if we had Brad join us next week and talk a little, um, you know, we'll talk Star Wars, obviously, because that's their thing. Um, we'll talk a little MCU. And then I want to get his thoughts uh, specifically on Zack Snyder and DC because we own own them on DC news and DC stuff. Um, they've admittedly said so. And mm-hmm. um, I'd really love to give his take in a little different perspective different perspective on Snyder because you and I are Snyder bros and, and Brad's a little bit on the other side. So it it could be some good, healthy debate. What do you think about that? Sounds good to me. All right. So thank you everyone for joining. Um, Follow us at the fourth mother box on Instagram and the fourth mother boss podcast on Facebook. Happy father's day to all the dads out there. Thank you for listening. And Kyle, leave us with some words of wisdom today before we end. All right, my words of wisdom obviously comes from the Man of Steel, and it's from Jonathan Kent, and he says that you are not just anyone. One day, you're going to have to make a choice. You have to decide what kind of man you want to grow up to be. Whoever that man is, good character or bad, is going to change the world.